the track. I'm Steve Clark, and in today's programme we'll be looking back at two events that have recently taken place here at Brooklands. Despite the lockdown, Motorball was just one of those events. The other was the gathering of the Mustang Car Club back in the summer, but more about Motorball later in the programme. Brooklyn's Museum have always held many vintage aircraft fly-ins over the years and we report on the only one for 2020. So we joined Tim Morris standing on the edge of a very drafty Mercedes-Benz World Airstrip trying to catch a word with the pilots as they fly in. But first he talks to Museum Trustee Jeff Watt. I've been involved uh, with the museum for many, many years so he was an apprentice here. 50 odd years ago. Um, I'm involved with the, the committee to organise fly-ins. The airfield here we are allowed normally to use it four times a year and the last few years we've been trying to do four fly-ins a year. Uh, obviously this year with Covid and most of those were cancelled. Earlier on this year Mercedes World have put a new surface down on the runway so they so they can use it more for cars as well as other things. So we were keen to exercise the runway. The runway surface looks very good so we were keen to actually uh, bring a couple of airplanes in. People who've been here before, all of the aircraft coming here have flown in here before and know the airfield well so that we can trial it um, ready for next year um, when uh, we hope to do four flyings again. We originally there were going to be about seven aircraft coming in, we're now down to four, all from the local area. Um, the Tiger Moth, the Puss Moth and a couple of Piper Cubs. So has there been a history of fly-ins at Brooklands in the past? Uh, yes, historically um, when the museum was started, the old concrete runway, tarmac runway, was still in existence and the museum undertook lots of fly-ins on that runway. Uh, I've flown in there myself in a Piper Warrior many years ago. Um, once the Mercedes World was built, there was an agreement that the, the grass strip down the, between the museum and by the car park for the visitors, that would be made available to us as a landing strip. It is a recognised landing strip, it's on the uh, navigation maps, it's a prior, it's prior permission only airfield, which we run on behalf of Mercedes World. And Mercedes World are very supportive and uh, we intend to do it going forward. I'm Tim Williams and, and I'm coming in, in the de Havilland Puss Moth, uh, which is, uh, funnily enough, with 90 years old, um, uh, about two months ago. Good <laughs> and and um, it's, um, it's a highly historic aeroplane. In 1930, when they were new, they were absolutely revolutionary. Um, the, and, and lots of people, because they were reliable and, and long range and so on, used them for, um, uh, for, for record flights. Uh, the first solo flight from England to America non-stop was done in a Pussmoth. Uh, the first flight across the South Atlantic from Africa to South America was done in a Pussmoth. The records were taken to Australia and, um, and South Africa many times in Pussmoths because they were just, you know, they're good little aeroplanes. And indeed, that one now I've flown, I mean, I've flown it to Australia too, but, um, uh, but it's... Um, it's just a wonderful touring aeroplane. It has. Uh, I can fly from home, which is uh, in Berkshire, to Edinburgh and back on one tank of fuel. The Wright brothers had only flown 20 years before that. It was invented. So <laughs> when you think of that, it's it, it's it's an amazing design for for the, the good old de Havilland did. It's a nice old thing. Yeah. And what was it like flying into Brooklands today? Uh, well, it's an airstrip and it's. A <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, with this new Wizzo Super Duper surface, and there are no rabbit holes now. So, 
<laughs> it's a lot better than it used to. How long have you had the aircraft? Um, 40 years. 40 years. Did, mm. you, did you come to the fly-ins in the early days here? I, actually, I did, funnily enough, uh, in the, uh, the other strip over the other side there before this one was a strip. Uh, but I have been here two or three times in the, I don't know, it must have been in the what, 70s or 80s. Okay, we're on the Brooklyn's airstrip again uh, with another of the pilots who just brought his plane in. And uh, you are? Nigel Minchin. And I've just come from um, south of Guildford where I have a little short landing strip in my Piper Super Cub. Um, and I was lucky enough to come here a couple of years ago as well in the same aircraft. And what year is your aircraft? It's 1962, so it's getting on a bit, but not as old as, uh, as uh, Tim's uh, Pussmoth, or for that matter the uh, Tiger Moth that's just landed. And what's it like to fly? It's a lovely thing to fly. It's, it's um, very responsive and uh, it's, it's a good aircraft for short landings which um, back at, uh, when I get back home, my strip is only 340 yards long, so anything with a, a faster landing speed would, would, wouldn't be able to get back in. Uh, so it's not too difficult coming into this airstrip at Brooklands? Well, it's, it's quite testing for anybody, really, but uh, with, the, with the light wind that we had, it, it worked out perfectly. I'm here with the uh, the last of the pilots to fly in this morning, and you are Robin Russell. And what aircraft did you arrive in? Came in a Tiger Moth. 1943 was built Morris Motors, uh, designed by um, de Havilland to be a basic trainer for the Royal Air Force. And um, in in 1935, I think it was the first one. And because they saw the war clouds looming, and they <coughs> needed a basic trainer which would give basic skills and um, easy to fly but difficult to fly well and give good feeling in the pants which, which way you're going. In competition with the Blackbird B2 which was a similar airplane but it had side-by-side -side seating so the Air Force in the traditional manner preferred to have um, tandem seating and so they built that and it was based on the de Havilland DH-60 uh, that's the Gypsy Moth and uh, they developed it from that. They changed the engine to make it an upside-down engine, more power, moved the top wing forward to give access to the front cockpit, and um, and here we have the Tiger Moth, and it's been a very successful. Probably the majority of Commonwealth pilots in the war learnt on the Tiger Moth first, before going on to the Harvard, and then from there on to gangster bombers or Spitfires or whatever. Okay, we've uh, caught up, I think, with uh, one of the pilots who flew the Tiger Moth in today. So, your name is? Uh, my name's Joe Philby, and you're right, yeah, we just uh, landed about 45 minutes ago in the Tiger Moth from White Wolf. And you've got quite a lot of experience flying Tiger Moths? Uh, absolutely zero. Uh, well, until early on this morning, uh, 45 minutes uh, with Robin, literally got a call yesterday evening. Um, if I fancy coming in and uh, flying into uh, Brooklyn today, which is something I never thought I would do in, in my lifetime let alone in a Tiger Moth. So uh, we did uh, half a dozen circuits at White Waltham and uh, a quick uh, skirt through the southwest tip of uh, Heathrow's airspace, which was something, again, I've never done before. And uh, here we are. 
Uh, what was the experience like? Was it easy to fly? Uh, windy. <laughs> uh, and actually, for the first takeoff at uh, White Waltham, I forgot to put my goggles on. This is something I've never had to do in a pre-flight check. Uh, and I quickly realised as we get airborne that I couldn't really see much. Uh, and now I understand why you wear goggles in an open cockpit. Uh, but no, yeah, fantastic. Um, uh, you're obviously a pilot anyway. Uh, yeah, uh, so the day job, if you like, is two airways. as captain and a trainer with those on 737 uh, for 15 years. But a very familiar story, I'm sure, really, as uh, a grassroots uh, avid fan of air shows through my father, uh, air training corps. Uh, RAF flying scholarship, gliding scholarships, and then got to the point where it was just going to be an expensive hobby. Uh, four years of being an estate agent, I don't quite know how that happened still. And uh, the then girlfriend, now wife, said, why don't I go and do it? So I packed up in uh, the early 2000s, went over to the States, did some training, got back here. I did some instructing part-time and then fell on my feet with two in uh, Britannia, as it was at the time, and then through Thompson Fly, Thompson and uh, never looked back really. Yeah, I'd imagine flying a small aircraft like this is a little different from flying a, a 2E jet. Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, the, the basics of it are the same um, and, and clearly no autopilot. So uh, you, if you stick and rudder skills in, in its finest. Um, but uh, yeah, great fun. The, the, the day job's great. It's, I get paid to do my hobby. Um, if, if anyone can say that about any job that they do, then that's it's sort of the eureka uh, moment of, of life if you like but uh, to come and then to be able to do things like this um, just purely for fun is well, it's all I've ever dreamt of isn't it? Magnificent men in their flying machines performed there by the John McCarthy Chorus. Of course, the uh, original soundtrack was uh, written by Ron Goodwin for the, the 1965 film of the same name, or nearly the same name. It was actually called Those Magnificent Men in Their Flying Machines, or 
how I flew from London to Paris in 25 hours, 11 minutes. I can understand why they shortened the title. Naturally, uh, it does have a Brooklyn's connection. The film was actually based on the 1911 Daily Mail air race, uh, which started and finished at Brooklyn's. Uh, there was a fantastic prize for that race of £10,000 uh, for the first person back. Uh, that equates to just under a million pounds in today's money. So there's big prizes on offer. The other connection, of course, is the name of the airfield in the film. Uh, it's called Brookley. In fact, it's Brookley Motor Racing Track. Bit of a coincidence to Brooklands, of course. And if you watch the film closely, you can see there is a, a banked track in it with cars racing around. And uh, there's also a sewage farm, which someone actually uh, crashes into. Pretty much like Brooklands, I guess. There's also some period aircraft and cars in the film. Uh, the cars, a lot of them came from a, a vintage car club. And uh, some of the planes were genuine, original. Uh, some were replicas and some were non-flying um, props. Uh, one of the, the replicas was actually of a Vickers 22 monoplane, uh, which the Italian flyer actually uh, took up in the air. A lot of people do ask, uh, why wasn't it filmed at Brooklands then? Well, the answer was that Brooklands uh, in the early 60s was a very large industrial site. Uh, the VC-10 was in full production at that point. There were a lot of factories and hangars on site, which would have made it totally impractical to film a, uh, a movie such as this. It was actually made fairly nearby at Booker Airfield in High Wycombe. Back to motorball, an event that was very successful following the Second World War. Basically, it's football on a motorcycle. The event organiser, John Bottomley, takes up the story. Uh, I've been around uh, uh, running the uh, motorcycle team for many years and been involved in uh, many of the events and this is uh, a new venture in a way, motorball. I picked up the idea uh, about uh, a year ago meeting Ray um, at uh, the Classic Motorcycle Show and we talked about motorball. And it brought back memories for me in the fact that um, way back in the day when I uh, used to live in North Yorkshire, uh, I actually rode in one of these events at a local um, Gymkhana on a motorcycle that uh, my father had made for me. Uh, I don't remember that much about it. I think I was uh, a little bit small and young and uh, uh, intimidated by all these uh, older guys on bigger bikes, but uh, I certainly uh, do remember it. And having talked to Ray and realising that motorball had ceased virtually to exist with the exception of these two teams that are going to play today, um, it, it just grabbed me that it was an incredible uh, visual and uh, noisy and, uh, as they call it, a gladiatorial challenge, uh, which would, in my belief, uh, provide an excellent uh, attraction to, to attract visitors to the museum. Um, the the team here have no uh, local venue or home as as football teams have, 
and the, this could be something that uh, Brooklands can fill that bill with so we can end up as uh, Brooklands motorball uh, or Brooklands home of motorball possibly uh, and that also on the other side of that I think there are, uh, it has generated interest in motorcyclists who are looking for different things to do and I'm hoping maybe next year or even the year after that there might be a few more teams will develop um, so that it won't be just two teams we could maybe even have a small league even that's uh, with a creative thought obviously all that is just pie in the sky but I've long believed that if you don't have some um, strategy and vision then things don't really tend to happen I've got um, Steve Castle with me now who's uh, responsible for uh, motorball here it's uh, I don't know it's been a long journey but um, what's your feeling about uh, it actually happening it's great news now that we've actually managed to get it in because I think the, the important thing was obviously we had it booked in to be part of the motorcycle day which of course didn't happen along with everything else we've been planning to do this year so since we've come back off lockdown we managed to have one other small gathering for the Surrey Mustang Owners Club which was good and then of course the new rules the legislation have put paid to a lot of things so yes with uh, obviously your help we've had a, a lot of work that's gone into this to get it to happen and now it's it's happening it's it's good so it gives us an opportunity to prove to people that we can do things safely the thought time and effort that's gone into it working really well all we wait for now is the opportunity to come back and do it properly with a big crowd as part of a bigger event when we have more people here Hayton Southall Motorball um, has been um, together since about 1976. The, the club was originally formed in, I believe, 1970, but the motorball section wasn't formed until 1976. Um, it's had various people run it, me being the latest person to run the club. Um, I wouldn't say I'm doing it any better than anyone else, but I think I can focus on it a bit more because I don't ride. I, I build bikes, I organise our events, and um, I come along and make sure it all runs smoothly. Um, I mean, as far as the bikes are concerned, we've got a huge range of different bikes. I mean, some very historic bikes um, and some much later bikes as well. I mean, the earliest bike that we've got is the orange one down there. It looks a bit funky and weird, um, but uh, that one actually featured in a British Pathé movie um, and it's entitled um, Motorcycle Football 1959 and um, it was part of the Border Motorcycle Club's team owned by a gentleman called Den Brown and it actually also featured in a 1959 uh, edition of uh, the motorcycle. I've got with me three of the, uh, the guys who are actually doing the real work and uh, scrubbing the concrete clean which is always appreciated and uh, actually they won't tell you this but they're enjoying themselves. Hi I'm Jeff. I've been playing motorball for about 30 34 years. Um, today's been great. It's lovely here. What a venue. What a venue. It's been, it's been really good. The only trouble is on concrete, we've never played on concrete before and the ball is very grippy. It doesn't slide and we can't skid the bikes and turn them and, it, and as you can see from my shoulder and my shirt, it's not very forgiving the concrete but it's a um, great venue. Yeah, we've had lots of bikes here. We have quite a few people watching. It's been a great day. Hi, my name's Aaron, and uh, this is my second year playing motorball now. I'm 
absolutely loving it. It's brilliant getting out on the bikes, and it's been a brilliant venue. It's been lovely coming here and playing, especially on this uh, iconic track. It's been amazing. And um, yeah, really enjoy it. Unfortunately, my first crash on a bike just happens to be on concrete, which wasn't too nice on my legs. But uh, yeah, it's all part and parcel of it, really. Yeah, you just got to brush yourself off and keep going. It's been a, it's been brilliant. Ray, um, you've uh, officiated this morning, and I uh, just wanted to know how's it going. It's going very well. I mean, we've uh, had more bike breakages, unfortunately. Um, some uh, due to the surface and some due to stuff previous owners have done to one of my bikes. Um, but other than that, I mean, we've had one rider uh, retire because he's he doesn't want to risk it anymore. He's already been down about four times this weekend um, and he's getting somewhat battered and bruised. So he's sort of, uh, he's taking it easy now. And in fact, he's refing now. He was out there in the second half of the first match. Um, but uh, the bikes are generally holding up quite well. I mean, they're taking quite a beating out there. We haven't seen quite the same kind of damage as we did yesterday. And fingers crossed we won't. So it's, it's going really, really well. I think the uh, we're being well received, both by the Brooklyn staff and, uh, and by the public. You know they seem to be enjoying it, and uh, we're getting. I think we're drawing a, a fair crowd. It's, it's it's really really good for us. Yeah, what you didn't realise when you signed up for this, it was only an um, uh, an effort to get you back in the garage again after all this lockdown. But uh, no, I've been very serious about it. Um, you and I met what nearly a year ago now, and uh, that's where the. Uh, uh, I don't know, the, the egg was fertilised if we can say that, or made whatever you want to say, and I just want to put on record the um, my sincere personal thanks for the real effort that's gone into it I know the museum is very pleased, obviously it's the only event the museum's really had this year and um, uh, we're doing some interviews with, with spectators and uh, the large percentage have come simply to see it, and uh, following up with them, they are very very interested and pleased, so a big thank you and uh, let's hope we can do more next year that's fantastic uh, and it's, it's been great to be here and we really appreciate having been invited here it's a difficult year it's been a difficult year for everyone the museum uh, and from our point of view this is our only event this year so for us it's our, our only opportunity this year to showcase it so um, I just want to add my thanks to the museum for allowing us to uh, uh, get involved and um, make this happen and the motorcycle team that have done a lot of the work behind the scenes to to, to prepare the pitch and um, marshal the event uh, its actual um, execution so thanks everybody who who came for those that didn't come and make sure that you put Brooklyn's on your calendar for next year so that you can come and actually experience it because it is much much more interesting uh, in the real life world you can see a full video recording of the match highlights at brooklynsmuseum.com forward slash members and follow the links the museum is now open Thursday through to Sunday with mandatory booking Tickets are available once again online at brooklynsmuseum.com. Brooklyn's News. Back at the beginning of lockdown in the summer, 
uh, situation for Brooklyn's museum was looking uh, particularly grave with the museum shut and no visitors at all. It certainly looked like uh, there was a possibility that the museum may even have to close. Uh, since then uh, there have been a number of grants that have been given to the museum and recently uh, the museum has received £950,000 from the uh, Cultural Recovery Fund. Now that should be sufficient to see the museum through until the spring of next year and also provide uh, a contingency fund uh, for potential future losses and hopefully that way we can keep Brooklyn's alive. Mercedes-Benz entered the world of Formula E uh, as recently as 2018 and uh, their car, the Mercedes-Benz EQ Silver Arrow 01 put in some spectacular performances in that season um, although it was an unofficial season for Mercedes. The following year, the 2019-2020 they officially entered the Formula E Championship uh, with Stoffel van Dorn and Nick de Vries as the drivers and uh, ended up with Stoffel coming uh, second in the Drivers' Championship and the Mercedes team coming third. So a pretty successful uh, debut into the world of Formula E and uh, we're delighted that the museum has just taken delivery of uh, the Mercedes-Benz Formula E car, which can be seen now in the Jackson Shed at Brooklyn's Museum. You can become a member of Brooklyn's at any time by going online to brooklynsmuseum.com forward slash members and follow the links to join or by telephone on 01932 857 381 extension 226 between 10am and 2pm, Monday to Friday. So, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening.